0: You are listening to a podcast of Risen Savior Lutheran Church in Chula Vista, California. Growing in faith, living in hope, serving in love, all to the glory of God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the author and perfecter of our faith, be and abide with each one of you. Amen. Our text for this morning is the gospel reading, which you've heard read. The words are printed in your folder. Matthew 15, verses 21 to 28. This time I'll read the last verse. Then Jesus answered, Woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. So far. In Jesus' name, dear friends, how would you feel if Jesus said to you, Wow, you have a great faith. On two different occasions recorded in the New Testament Scripture, we have recorded where Jesus commended someone for their great faith. One is the centurion who had a sick servant. The other is a woman referred to in our text. So this morning we want to take a closer look at the faith of this woman and find out what it is about her faith that caused Jesus to commend her faith as being a great faith. And we'd want to also pray that the Lord would grant us the same kind of faith that he gave to this woman. As we consider the theme, Woman, You Have Great Faith. The first verse of our text gives the background. Leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. Jesus wanted to get away from the crowds for a while, so he took his disciples to an area north of Palestine, an area... In the, with the cities of Tyre and Sidon, an area occupied by non-Jews. These are Gentiles who live in this area. And when he got to that area, we read, a Canaanite woman, she was from the, city, the country of Canaan, a Gentile, a Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him crying out, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is suffering terrible from demon possession. So this woman has come to Jesus, found out where he was at, is now praying to Jesus, asking for his help because her daughter is demon-possessed, suffering terribly from demons. Well now, let's take a look at what we can see already as to why Jesus would call this woman's faith great. Notice how she has a correct understanding of who Jesus is. She calls him Lord, Son of David. That's a term that's used for the Messiah. The Old Testament prophesied that Jesus would be the Messiah, the anointed one who would come to take away our sins. This woman knows Jesus to be the Messiah. Perhaps she has read from Isaiah the description of Jesus where it was prophesied He bore the punishment with his death on the cross, and because he took our sins away, we now have peace with God. We have forgiveness. This woman, this Gentile woman in a heathen land, has learned to know that Jesus is true God, the Messiah, the Savior of the world, and the person who is able to cure her demon-possessed daughter. What a tremendous faith. Also, from her words, we read, that she also had a correct understanding of herself. A Canaanite woman from the vicinity came to him crying out, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me means I don't deserve your favor. I have not earned any favor from you. I am depending on your mercy. She has a correct understanding of herself as a sinful being, not deserving anything from God. If we are going to imitate her faith, that's the same thing we have to have, a correct understanding of who Jesus is, the Son of God, Savior of the world, and a correct understanding of who we are, undeserved, depending on God's mercy. But then we go on, and we're gonna see some more about this woman's faith as she overcomes obstacles. The first obstacle is Jesus' silence. Jesus did not answer a word. Put yourself in her place. She has come to Jesus. She is begging for mercy. Jesus ignores her. He did not answer her a word. If you were that woman, what would you be thinking about that time? I'm sure I would be thinking, if Jesus doesn't want to, to do anything with me, he doesn't want to have, have anything to do with me, well, then I won't have anything to do with him. Forget it. I'll go, go find, see if I can help, get help someplace else. This woman, it looks like Jesus is ignoring her. And yet, what does she do? We're told, so his disciples came to him and urged him, send her away, for she keeps crying out after us. She kept on praying, even though Jesus ignored her and was silent, she kept on praying. How could she possibly do that? She hung on to a word of Scripture, even though it looked outwardly like like Jesus didn't care about her, yet she knew that Jesus was a kind and loving person. Maybe she knew the verse from Exodus 34, The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands, and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. That's a description of a loving Savior, a Savior who would never ignore somebody's prayer. And so this woman knows that. It looks like Jesus is ignoring my prayer, but according to the Bible, He cannot be ignoring my prayer because He is a loving God. And so it is with us. If we are going to have a faith that Jesus calls great, we need to look away from the outward circumstances when it looks like Jesus is ignoring our prayers and hang on to God's word. For example, we have these words from Psalm 37, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. See, just wait patiently. It's not that the Lord is turning his back on you and ignoring you, he simply wants you to wait Or this verse from Psalm 50, Call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you. The Lord has told us to pray. He has promised to hear our prayers. So if it looks like God is ignoring us, he really doesn't. Or these words from Psalm 34, The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their cry. The Bible says that Jesus listens to our prayers. He wants to hear our prayers. His ears are open to our prayers. So, if we want to have a faith like this woman, we hang on to those words rather than look at the outward circumstance. But that then brings us to the second obstacle. When the disciples came to Jesus, they said, Send her away. She keeps crying after us. They were saying, grant her request so that we can get rid of her. She's making a pest of herself. Or they mean, just send her away. Tell her to get lost. We, we, We need to be with you. And we don't want this woman crying out after us all the time. And what does Jesus say? He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. Now the woman heard this. She heard those words. I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel, meaning, I came to help the Jews. My main mission is helping the Jews, not the Gentiles. In fact, we have these words where Jesus sent his disciples out to preach: Do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans, go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. In other words, your ministry is to be to the Jews not to the Gentiles. And so now this woman hears Jesus saying, I didn't come to help the Gentiles. What does she do? The woman came and knelt before him, help me, Lord, help me. How could she do that? After Jesus just got through saying, I didn't come to help the Gentiles, It sounds like she even comes in front of where Jesus and the disciples are walking and kneels down right before Jesus and repeats her prayer. Lord, help me. What does she know? She knows that Jesus came also to help Gentiles, even though his main ministry before Pentecost is with the Jews, yet he also did come to help the Gentiles. Isaiah 56 says, My house will be called a house of prayer for all nations, including the Gentiles. Maybe she heard about what happened when the children of Israel came to the city of Jericho, and the two spies went into the city of Jericho to spy it out, and uh, Rahab the harlot, a Gentile, befriended them, protected them, hid them from the enemies, sent them on their way. This was a Gentile who was a believer, and God granted her mercy. Maybe this Canaanite woman knew about Elijah and the widow of Sarephath, who was running out of food and was preparing her last meal. And Elijah said, "Make me a meal, and God will replenish your flour and oil." And God did, and the jar of oil never ran out, and the container of flour never ran out. And that woman was a Gentile. So this woman knows, even though Jesus said, I only came to help the, Je- the Jews, she knows that the Bible says he is also a helper of the Gentiles. And so it is with us. When the devil comes to us and tries to make us think, Jesus isn't going to answer your prayers, you're, you're not the right kind of a person. We go to the Scriptures. We go to John 3.16, it says, God so loved the world. That's me. That's everybody. God so loved everybody that he gave his only begotten Son. Or the words of John the Baptist when he pointed to Jesus, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That's me. That's everybody. We have the words, him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out, doesn't make any difference who you are, what color of skin you have, how old you are, whether you're male or female. The Lord says, he that comes to me, I will not cast out, no matter what color of skin they have. And so this woman held on to scriptures. That's not the end. She has another obstacle. When she kept on after him, Lord, help me, he replied, and now he's talking to her directly, it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to their dogs." You see the picture? A family gathered at the table to eat. You don't take the food before the children have eaten and throw the food to the dogs. And the dogs that Jesus is referring to here are not the scavenger dogs, these are puppy dogs. These are pet dogs, dogs in the house. And so Jesus is saying, It's not right for me to take my miracle-working power, which is meant for the Jews, for the children. It's not right for me to take that power and throw it to the Gentiles, the dogs. He's actually calling her a dog. If that were you, how would you react? If Jesus actually said to you, I compare you to a dog you would say, that's racist language. I don't want anything to do with it, Jesus, who says that. What did this woman do? Yes, Lord, she said, but even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. She, in effect, is saying, Lord, you compared me to a puppy dog? I accept that, because dogs get crumbs. And that's all I want from you, Lord. You can use all your miracle power for the Jews. Just give me crumbs. That's all I need. See her, her humility? She has so humbled herself that she's glad to be called a dog. And if you and I are going to have our faith commended as being a great faith, we need to have that same kind of humble attitude toward our Lord. When we pray, we pray like we are a dog under the table. Look what the Bible says in in one of the, or first of all, one of the hymns. We have amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. We are willing to call ourselves wretches. By nature, we are sinful beings. There are a lot of people that want to change that, that verse or that hymn because they don't like the word wretch. We're happy to be called a wretch because Jesus came to save wretches. Mary Magdalene's Magnificat. Notice how she talks about those who humble themselves. The Lord has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but he has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. If we put ourselves as a dog, humble ourselves before the Lord, he listens to our prayers. When Jesus, or his, Jesus' disciples were quarreling about who was the greatest among them, Jesus took a little child. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And he called a little child and had him stand among them, and he said, I tell you the truth, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. That's why Jesus commended this woman's faith. She was humble. Yes, I will be a puppy dog. Puppy dogs get crumbs. Then Jesus answered, woman, you have great faith. Do you catch why? Why? Not only did she know who Jesus was as the Messiah and know that she was a a sinner needing mercy, she hung on to God's Word. When the circumstances looked like it was against her, looked like Jesus was ignoring her, looked like Jesus was belittling her, she hung on to a Word of God. And that's the key, if we are ever going to be called people with a great faith, is that we hang on to a Word of God. For example, we. Romans 10 says, Faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the Word of Christ. It's the Word that creates faith in our hearts. It's the Word of God that strengthens that faith and makes it a great, strong faith. It's going to the Word. For example, in the matter of sin and grace, we go to the Word. The Word says, All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's God's Word. That tells me I'm a sinner. But the Word of God also says, Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. That's the Word of God, and I put my trust in that Word. Jesus came to save me. He gives me eternal life. Or maybe it's a family problem. How comforting it is to go to the Word of God. You have a son or a daughter who looks like he or she has turned her back on the Lord. And what does the Lord promise us? Train a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not turn from it. That's God's promise. We hang on to that promise. Or what about financial problems? What word of God can we hang on to to help us in our financial problems? God's word says, Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. That is, put souls first in your priority. And all these things are material needs, food, clothing, all these things will be given to you as well. That's a word of God you can hang on to. When we put souls first, spiritual matters first in our priority and in our life, God will take care of the physical things. We have this promise from our Lord, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops, then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. That's a promise from God, that when we honor Him with our gifts, He will make sure that we have plenty of material gifts left over. Another passage, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that's ten percent, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. Did you hear the promise of God? When we put Him first in our giving, He will give us so much in return that we don't know where to go with it. Now, we don't know exactly how those blessings will look, but that's God's business. But that's a Bible passage you can hang on to. So, We want to learn from this Canaanite woman. When it looks like everything is against us, take a passage from the Bible. Cling to that passage. And then you will find that Jesus will say to you, as he did to this woman, you have a great faith. Amen. Thanks for listening to this Risen Savior podcast. For more information about our church, Check us out online at risensavior.us